Hi and welcome to the Her Forum podcast. We're a platform and community for women in law and aim to bring to you personal and professional insights from some amazing women with strong voices in the field of law. Hi everyone. I'm Meena Kaishwari Shah. I'm a business lawyer with more than 10 years of experience in various sectors and in advising businesses, being a business enabler along with being a gatekeeper. It's a difficult balance to maintain, but you learn it on the job. Today, we are here to talk about data protection and privacy laws. Uh, these are trending these days. Um, the reason I think that uh, uh, I should talk about it is because I am a dual certified privacy professional, uh, both in Indian and global laws, along with uh, being an experienced business lawyer. So I hope this helps. Let's dive into what is privacy after all. You must be hearing a lot about the two concepts, data protection and privacy, and many times you may feel that they are being used interchangeably. But technically, these terms are different. Um, however, they are very close to each other and hence they are used interchangeably. What is data protection? Data protection is basically the management of data, personal data of people that uh, companies or organizations collect for their business purposes or for no purposes at all, at all as you must have recently seen the Airtel fiasco. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so um, data protection is basically how you manage people's data, uh, a court, and how you ensure that it is managed in a manner that uh, uh, you know uh, you're taking care of it. You're not giving it out to people that should that, that have nothing to do with it, or that could use it in a harmful way, or that could uh, you know, or who could sort of use that data and uh, uh, deploy it in some other industry, right? And however, uh, what is privacy? Privacy is a slightly different concept. Uh, it is now a fundamental right in India, uh, arising from the constitution uh, after the Putasami judgment. Uh, now, right to privacy is basically a right where um, it says that at the core of a human being, he has a right to share whatever he wants to share with someone and has a right to keep private whatever he wants to keep private. So now how do these two concepts intertwine? Well, see, privacy, what happens is that privacy is something that I tell an organization when I'm sharing my data. Look, I'm sharing this data with you. However, these are the, these are the data points that I want you to keep private. Please don't share it with anyone. And these are the data points that, okay, uh, I agree you can share it with some people. So I give them the instruction that is privacy law, right? And then they manage but through data protection, personal data protection laws, how to ensure that the privacy that I have demanded in return for sharing my data is adhered to. So that's how these two concepts come together, right? So now uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what are the different forms of privacy. See, privacy, I, right now I'm stressing more about data privacy because we're talking about data protection, but actually privacy can be of many, many different types. Like it can be decisional privacy, like women want to have uh, the privacy to make their own decisions these days. So that is, it's an example of decisional privacy. You can have physical privacy. 
right? You want to share your body with someone. You don't want to share your body with someone. You want to be in the house, locked up. Sometimes you want to go out. That's uh, uh, that's physical privacy. There are proprietary privacy, right? Proprietary privacy is basically uh, this is mine, right? I've bought it. This is mine. So now this is private to me. Please don't touch it because it belongs to me, right? Uh, somewhat in the sense of a trespass, right? This property is mine. It's private to me. Please do not enter without my permission. So um, in this thread, there's another concept of informational privacy. And that's the privacy that we are going to be stressing on today, right? So now let's move on to what is the latest privacy trend in the globe. Well, uh, privacy is a concept. While it is new to India, it is not new to many parts of the globe. Right? People, uh, if, uh, if you are aware or if you read up about the West, etc., they are much more private from the very inception. That's how they're born. Right? They're born private. And uh, in third world, we are born social. Right? So that's, that's a cultural difference. Right? However, this any culture is reflected in laws of that country, right? And that's the reason why you will find that there are really detailed privacy laws in many parts of the globe, uh, especially starting and very, very focused in Europe, right? Where they, they really believe it is a very, very important right. In India, on the contrary, we are still struggling with many other problems, right? Uh, let's uh, let's ensure that people don't get raped. Let's ensure that uh, you know uh, people are not um, uh, they don't fall prey to corruption. They don't uh, sort of they their physical security, etc. So because we are dealing with issues that are more fundamental in nature, uh, there is much less of focus on data privacy. However, now with the advent of internet and internet becoming a part of pretty much every citizen whether for their personal life or professional life internet people have realized has started playing a very very important role and when internet plays an important role data automatically comes into the picture and therefore we have some some sort of uh, you know uh, people who are talking about data privacy and the importance of it know that data privacy bill is underway but it has still not become an act so now let's think about uh, it for a minute do we have any privacy laws in our country absent the data privacy bill becoming the law the answer is yes the answer lies of course the very first one that we've just spoken about is the supreme court's uh, ruling that privacy is a fundamental right However, how does it become fundamental right? Just by saying that this fundamental right, how do you implement it? How do you ensure that everyone's privacy is protected? Well, there is certain sections of the IT Act 2000, which, which in some manners can protect the privacy of individuals of uh, our country or of persons who are dealing with Indians for example, BPOs, right? Like BPOs uh, in India, we pretty much have uh, information of global citizens. 
but because an indian is dealing in that information he has a duty to ensure that certain certain ways the way it act governs it which is not as um, wholesome as probably the privacy laws that exist and that's the reason of course precisely that the data privacy bill is underway but it does in certain ways protects the privacy of individuals whether indians or global which are stored in computer systems in india the very important section that you will find pretty much the whole privacy law encompassed in its section 43a now what 43a does is that it says that an organization or an, or a corporate that uh, collects the data of individuals uh, which is personal in nature which is actually no which is sensitive personal information not personal information so the bar it raises the bar it only protects data data which is sensitive personal information and not all kinds of personal information and it says that please protect it do not allow any unauthorized access to that data to any person if you so do you will be in violation of the it act right now this section 43a um actually to tell you the truth the it act was not um was not um, promulgated with the intent to protect the privacy of citizens it's so it that's the reason why this section 43a got added in 2008 when it sort of started becoming a hot topic not in 2000 when the act actually came into picture in 2000 the provision that is the that is the uh, most closely associated with 43a is section 43 which said that any person who unauthorizedly accesses personal information that person will be liable so the liability was on the on the person who was going to access information as opposed to what 43a does that says that the x business x company you are the one who's uh, gathering data for your business purposes of individuals so it is now your responsibility to keep the data safe and that's the shift that you saw in the uh, it act of course with the development of internet and uh, all sort of you know uh, even tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 cities in india using internet uh, and it becoming a very important part of their life section 43a only protects sensitive personal information however it failed to define what is sensitive personal information and thereafter what it did is that it said that the corporates have to protect this information sensitive personal information from wrongful gain or wrongful loss while section 43a created a sort of privacy regime in itself what it did not do was it sort of did not tell how are companies supposed to take care and have reasonable security to ensure that the data doesn't get accessed um, illegally so therefore in 2011 the government came out with information technology reasonable security practices and procedures and sensitive personal data or information rules 
in in that they define what is sensitive personal information as you can imagine sensitive personal information is an is information that the government considers really important for example your passwords your financial information your uh, uh, your health data your sexual sexual orientation etc anything that can be used against you uh, because of the cultural biases or by criminals to sort of you know uh, mug you or loot you so that's the reason why these rules became really important because someone need to define someone need to define what is the information that the organizations want to protect should protect and secondly someone needed to say how you are going to do it right just uh, organizations would think i have deployed firewalls and hence it is fine but that was is not really sufficient you need to have a lot more measures which the rules tell you the rules even tell you things like please collect only that information that is necessary please don't go on collecting information that you don't even need that would be the first way to protect the privacy of a citizen because you're taking information that you don't need and then you will have to protect it unnecessarily so start by data minimization right ensure that you've taken consent from the person and to use their your the data thereafter and if you intend to disclose it to another person please take consent because that's privacy right you are going to follow the rules that the individual sets for his information or her information because it is theirs so the ownership of the information was sort of tackled here and the government said that the person who discloses the information or who shares the information is the rightful owner and should have the right to decide how that information can be used shared disclosed collected uh, all in all processed right because processing even even sort of uh, includes storage even if you're not using it is just stored even that is included in processing your information there's something called iso 27001 right these are the standards that are laid down the government said if you use these standards uh organization xyz then you, we will consider that you know you are using reasonable security practices and hence we will give you the benefit of the doubt that you did your best to secure the data so even if the breach has happened it is it is something that we will excuse you for uh, so now let's move to uh, section 72a what 72a does is that it says that anyone who uses information about a person without his consent or contrary to the contract that you have entered into with that person is criminally liable right it is he is criminally liable for 3 years of jail term and a fine uh, of around uh, i think 5 lakh rupees right so this is the this is this section makes uh, it a criminal um, offense to use the data of a person and here the beauty is that the that the words used are not sensitive personal information but personal information so this section is the one that could sort of come to your help if it was not sensitive but personal information 
that was used by a company against your will in breach of consent that was taken or in breach of the fact that a consent was never taken right so this is basically uh, the substance of the existing regime in india of privacy law let's discuss a little bit uh, in detail about the uh, privacy bill that is underway the pdpb 2019 so let me take you through the scheme of the pdpb and maybe then we will discuss a few uh, things that uh, make it different from the global laws and uh, we will discuss a few idiosyncrasies around uh, the pdpb you've heard about it a lot recently um because uh, amazon uh, refused to appear before the jpc recently and so uh, you know that it is a trending topic the reason why the pdpb came into picture was to address a few issues uh, that the existing framework did not address which we discussed in the previous masterclass uh one of the main things that it does is that it sets out what are the data privacy protection principles it deals with all types of personal information and not only sensitive personal information secondly it lays down the rights of the data principles it also tells you how you can transfer the data from india to any other country it also tells you uh what are the remedies in case there's a breach um by any corporate uh, or any person who should be governed by the data privacy bill and if he fails to do so it establishes the dpa and says that what are going to be the role of this data protection authority in india it is a very important legislation and it will definitely affect pretty much every company which is processing data in on any level right as long as it is not a small entity which is an exemption that is provided in the uh, data privacy bill but this these small entities are going to be very few entities so pretty much each and every entity will be hit by this data privacy bill and the and the penalties are really huge and so we have to be mindful uh about Uh, complying with the data protection bill once it does become the law so now let me take you through the layout of the pdpb 2019 well it starts out by telling you to whom it is applicable it is important for each one of us to understand who are the stakeholders in a privacy setup right one is the data fiduciary who is the person who's processing the information and processing includes anything it even includes collection storage um, you know or uh, maybe uh, profiling data so anything that you do with data pretty much anything that is processing so the first stakeholder is the data fiduciary the second stakeholder is the data processor which is the person who is doing whatever he is doing with the with the personal data on the instructions of the data fiduciary so these may be like any person who some so if um, take for an uh, take for an example a data fiduciary hires a data processor to carry out what he wants to do with the data because he do, he does not want to do it himself so that is what 
is a data processor. And third and the most important stakeholders are you and me, the people whose data is being collected, which are referred to as data principles. Now, to whom is this legislation going to be applicable? As of now, the bill makes itself applicable to anyone who uh, is processing the personal data of any business that is in, set up in India or any individual who is an Indian citizen. Irrespective of whether the processing is taking place in India or outside India. So it has an extra extraterritorial application, just like the GDPR. Similarly, what it also it also applies to any Indian entity that is processing data. So for example, just because an Indian entity is processing the data of a data principal who is outside India does not mean that such a data fiduciary will not have to comply with the data uh, with the data privacy bill. Even corporates which are processing data of foreigners will be caught within this legislation. However, if you refer to section 37, that is an exemption that has been provided which states that if a data fiduciary applies to the government, it can get an exemption of, uh, from the application of this legislation saying that it is only processing data of data principles outside India and it is governed by that country's legislations and hence two legislations should not be applicable to him. So that is a very, very interesting feature which is not till now found in any other global law uh, related to privacy. This is a thought that has come to the mind of um, the Indian legislators because of the experiences of the other jurisdictions. So with this, uh, let's move on beyond application. What are the data protection principles? For example, data minimization, that you need to collect only that much data that is important. You need to only process the data for the purpose for which you have collected the data and obtained the consent of the data principle. It tells you how long you can retain the data. That is, it is supposed to be only retained for the time period for which it is useful for the corporation in respect to the purpose for which the data has been collected. It lays down these uh, set of seven, eight principles and then it moves on to guide you as to how you can ensure that these data principles are fulfilled. For example, it tells that each and every data fiduciary needs to submit something called privacy by design. It is a document which every corporate will have to make wherein it will say what are the technical and organizational controls that it has put in place inside the organization to ensure that it can abide by the data principles that are set out in the data privacy legislation. And this uh, particular document, which will have to be submitted to the data protection authority, right? And it will have to be approved by them. So these are additional burdens that are put on the uh, data fiduciaries so that the rights of the data principles are protected and they become a part of the organization's culture. Thereafter, it goes on to lay certain things that will have to be followed by something called a significant data fiduciary. 
there is there are two categories of data fiduciaries one is data fiduciaries which are pretty much every data fiduciary and another is significant data fiduciaries which are going to be regulated in a more critical way because these will be organizations which process volumes of data much higher than a normal data fiduciary and they process sensitive uh, information about any individual or any social media uh, intermediaries what these organizations will have to do additionally is that they will have to register themselves with the authorities you will also see that these organizations significant data fiduciaries will have to compulsorily undertake a data audit by external auditors now these external auditors have the authority to give this significant data fiduciary a trust score so this is going to become really important because a higher trust score would mean that more and more consumers will trust the data fiduciary and hence their business will increase right so while it does put some burdens on the data fiduciary it will reward such data fiduciaries by more business because there will be more trust by consumers in such data fiduciaries significant data fiduciaries will also have to necessarily appoint a data protection officer which has to be uh, an indian employee of the company so this is extremely important again because there will be a person who will be specifically designated to look into the whole privacy affair of the company so now after sort of setting out how to ensure that the organizations comply with the privacy law it sets out a set of rights for the data principles such as the right to access the information that any data fiduciary has about them how uh, there is a right uh, for the data fiduciaries to get any information that is wrongly collected by any organization to have any information erased that is no longer necessary for the organization to sort of uh, keep with themselves anymore for data portability so that from one organization the data principle is able to transfer it to another uh, data principle and a unique thing again here that there is a distinction that is made between the right to erasure and right to be forgotten But generally the gdpr says that right to erasure or right to be forgotten is one and the same but here there is a distinction made and we will have to see how it's going to play out because uh, it's a slightly complicated distinction because right to be forgotten it uh, can only be exercised by the data principle by approaching the courts it cannot just simply be um, exercised by approaching the data fiduciary what is the relationship between a data processor and a data fiduciary it tells you that there has to be a contract between the data processor and the data fiduciary and the data processor will have to necessarily follow the instructions of a data fiduciary in processing the personal information and that if it fails to do so the breach if at all there is any will be affixed even to the data processor even though it is merely processing the data and is not determining the means by which it is processing the data because by not following the instructions of the data fiduciary it it somehow does determine the means 
for, by which the data is to be processed, right? Uh, so this uh, is a very, very important uh, aspect because just by calling myself a data processor does not mean that I'm a data processor. I have to be a data processor in true sense by ensuring that I am merely following the instructions of a data fiduciary and not applying my mind as to how the data should be processed. Now let's move on to the next very interesting part of the data privacy bill, much debated about how, whether or not the data from India can be transferred to other countries. After a serious um, you know, fight by the market that please do not make it compulsory to um, store all the data that is processed in India to stay in India because the cost of that will be so high. It said that personal information can be transferred outside India without any restrictions as long as such information is not critical personal information. Now, critical personal information is a, a notch higher than sensitive personal information, right? Something that is going to be extremely important uh, for the country and for the citizens. But it says that the regulator, once the DPA comes into picture, will have the authority to define what is the critical personal information. And as for the sensitive personal information, while it allows uh, its transfer outside India, it does uh, say that a copy of such information has to be necessarily kept in India, only then it can be transferred outside. We all have a few rights, but all rights are conditional, right? And all rights are relative. Because there is something that is more important than an individual's right, which is the country's sovereignty, integrity, the rights of other individuals uh, which are a lot more in number as against you when they come into play, the health of the nation, right? The biggest example being the pandemic. So there are certain situations that have been laid down in the data privacy bill, which states the circumstances in which the government of India can process the personal information without taking consent of the citizens. Right. These uh, rights have been given to the state when they can process uh, personal information of individuals without the consent of the person. Interesting exception, which is a sandbox exemption. Now, what is a sandbox? It is also a, a unique feature of the Indian uh, bill, which says that suppose that a, a particular um, startup or a particular company wants to come up with some uh, technical innovation. And for that, they need to collect information without the consent of individuals, etc., because they are trying to develop a product. Uh, for example, ethical hacking, right? In such cases, they can apply to the government and seek exemptions to certain provisions of the privacy bill. Of course, not in total, but certain provisions for a certain period of time. So that is, this is more to ensure that technical innovation is not hampered by the privacy bill. The show must go on. Now, the next very important uh, component of the data privacy bill is the setting up of the data protection authority. It says that there will be six members who will constitute the data protection authority, how they should be appointed, 
the period for which they should be appointed. It lays down the powers of the Data Protection Authority and its role in ensuring that data protection is implemented in India in a very effective manner. It also says that how the Data Protection Authority can hear any grievances by the data principles and also SUOMOTU. It can move against uh, data fiduciaries or data processors whom it thinks is in violation of the data privacy law. So it sort of lays down, a, it is a comprehensive guide in telling you how you can uh, remedy a breach that has uh, come into picture. It also lays down how to report a breach by a particular data fiduciary or a, or a data processor. For example, I'm a data fiduciary. I come to know that there was a breach that was done in my company. It is my It makes it my immediate duty to report such a breach to the DPA. So here you can see that the harm principle comes into picture. So the breach has to, uh, in the reasonable man's opinion, uh, cause some harm. Now you may think that, oh my God, this. Doesn't this really increase the financial burden on the company? Because all these processes and all of these controls that are going to come into picture will add uh, a lot of financial burden. Because not only are there very, very few professionals who are trained in data privacy or who are currently being trained in data privacy, uh, who are going to be expensive to hire, the, even the technology that is required to ensure that um, the data privacy is fully implemented in a company might be very expensive. The fine for um, any breach uh, with of this data protection legislation are significantly high. If a data fiduciary is unable to furnish the reports that it is supposed to furnish, it is not able to file the returns that it is supposed to file under the data privacy law. The penalty is rupees 10,000 per day of the breach, which can be maximum up to 25 lakh. So it's a really big amount. So 25 lakh for significant data fiduciaries and 5 lakh for non-significant data fiduciaries, other data fiduciaries. And along with that comes the reputational risk, which also must be taken into consideration because all papers were reported, channels were reported. And if the trust sort of lowers, your business can really be harmed. So it is very important to take uh, this fine into consideration and a larger fine at play in case you fail to comply with the directions of the Data Protection Authority. So for example, if there is an issue and the Data Protection Authority tells you, you need to do this and this and this to ensure that uh, privacy is implemented in your company and you fail to do so, then the fine is 25,000 rupees per day. It is subject to a cap of two crore. So the outflow is quite high. The reputational risk is also very high. So it is important to ensure that a privacy culture is cultivated in the company right from the outset instead of waiting for the data privacy bill to become law because suddenly it will not be possible to just implement uh, these controls in one day, right? We don't know how it is going to be in the Indian context because at least this data privacy bill does not lay down any such condition. Maybe there's an additional change that is uh, brought about in the final bill. 
But as of now, we don't know how long that gestation period will be. We don't know whether that will be enough. So I think it is very important that uh, at least the culture is started to build. People are made aware that there is such a law. Privacy bill cannot be implemented just by a few five people in the organization. Each and every employee of the company needs to form part of the solution. And before we close this uh, masterclass, um, I just wanted to say that in the GDPR or maybe in any other global laws, the data fiduciary is called a controller. It is not called a data fiduciary. Just by calling it a data fiduciary, there is an additional burden that is put on organizations that are collecting data, which is that of trust. So it is not just this law, but an additional burden that is imposed on each of the data fiduciary. Are going to discuss what are the challenges of data privacy laws um, and uh, mostly whether it's going to be nationally or internationally the challenges remain the same so um, let's start i think that the very first challenge at least in uh, uh, developing countries uh, where data privacy is a slightly new concept the challenge is how to build a privacy culture for example, if uh, the information is going to be on a need-to-know basis and you will only collect limited data, then there are going to be a lot of issues at the organization level. For example, if you tell a few of your employees that certain data that they have been used to getting for many days, many years, will now no more be shared with them because of data privacy laws, more often than not, um, it will be very hard to digest because data is an emotional topic for human beings because it associates itself with the concept of trust. So when you tell someone that there's some data that you're used to uh, looking at or having in your inbox and now you will no more have that data, I think there will be a question that will... Um, occur in every mind, which is, do you not trust me anymore? And to sort of counter this negative emotion in your employees, it is very important to create data privacy law awareness and explain to them very clearly as to why you are restricting access to that data from those employees and not once, at least seven, eight, nine, or 10 times, because it is then that it starts becoming a reality to them. Because while as lawyers and as, uh, as IT professionals, we are dealing in the concept of personal data protection um, for a few months or a few years, it is sort of discussed with the employees only at the last leg. And that's why it comes as a shock. And so my advice here will be that Partner with your employees, even during the process, when you're trying to learn how to implement data uh, privacy laws, because then once they become a part of the process, it doesn't come as a shock. They learn about it with you. And hence, you're able to build a privacy culture, which is a positive culture in the organization and doesn't disrupt any operations or incul inculcate any uh, negative feelings amongst the employees. The second very 
a critical issue which is not only in uh, which doesn't only relate to uh, developing countries but is an omnibus issue is that of complying with multi jurisdictional privacy laws for example there's a website in india that sells clothes but that website is accessible pretty much to anyone and everyone around the globe now when anyone from turkey or anyone from uh, europe anyone from america they log into your website they give you some personal data before they buy that uh, piece of clothing from your website right that's sharing of their personal data with you now they are citizens of europe and turkey and america etc so when you collect data of citizens of another country you will have to comply with the laws of that nation as well it's so difficult sometimes to even be completely compliant with one nation's laws and the solution to this is going to sort of come uh, up by i think a lot of organizations will start putting together a standard checklist um, they have already started putting together a standard checklist which where they will say these 20 things are common on all the data privacy laws however there is this nuance in brazilian law this nuance in indian law it's a lot of compliance that will go into uh, building a, a compliant data privacy business it's important to have good attorneys and good it professionals in your system who will keep tracking the developments in the law and technology and ensuring that you are compliant with nation over the national laws that are uh, around the globe that pertain to the concept of personal data protection and uh, now that leads us to the next issue which is cost of compliance how expensive it is already to sort of comply with the data privacy laws of one nation uh, there is uh, so much so many filings that you have to do there is an audit that you have to conduct uh, under uh, various laws um, there is data trust score that you have to ensure that you are taking to with the laws of that nation and now when different nations have different laws you have to ensure that your technology complies with all the different laws and that adds cost now imagine the cost of compliance with one data privacy law you have to ensure that the audits are being done in time if there is a licensing requirement or submission of your uh, you know uh, data privacy policies etc that has to be managed along with that you have to ensure that all the principles that are found in a nation's uh, law for data privacy are incorporated in the technology that you are building now multiply it in the 100 jurisdictions that your business is accessible you can imagine the cost is so huge and you know um, for that you will need to have your privacy lawyers in place your um, coders in place engineers in place uh, computer engineers etc so you need a lot of talent to ensure that you are compliant with the 100 lo- 100 laws in which your business is present it it can really bring your business uh, cost really high so if you do not um, factor this cost right at the beginning when you are building your business plan to build your product and you do not account for this cost you will find that this cost is prohibitive to your business so it is really necessary to do 
a cost analysis of the amount that you will spend in spend in complying with the data privacy laws of different nations and ensure that then your business model works or doesn't work right and only then should you embark on the journey of developing your product and making it accessible in different parts of the world which ties in with the next issue which is how do you source this talent because data privacy professionals are hardly a handful in uh, in india at least of course there might be a little more in europe because uh, the law is older so you know people have started training themselves in data privacy however in for most of the nations it's a very new concept people are not aware even if they are aware they don't know how to find talent which is trained in advising on data privacy and it there is a dearth of uh training programs for data privacy professionals even if one thinks that i will train in data privacy where do you go and train yourself and then you know it's a new profession so people are like whether it will pick up or not pick up should i really train to be a data professional what will be my future etc so that's the reason why there is a dearth of talent in the market so companies that are coming up with products uh, or existing companies that will now have to start complying with data privacy are finding it difficult to get talent in the market to advise them as to how they can be fully compliant with data privacy only solution for this is again to create awareness about the concept of data privacy which as councils we all have like this master class itself is one attempt to create uh, awareness about the concept of personal data protection so that anyone who's listening is aware of this concept and can think about solutions which probably uh, even trained people uh, and other people like me uh, you know do not have not thought about because it's it all requires teamwork and many times something that i can't think of you can think of and that's how we make better solutions for the problems that we are faced with so unless there is uh, awareness there will be always a shortfall of talent and i think the last and very very important issue that will be faced or that probably is still faced in the data protection regime is the jurisdiction as to how to resolve the disputes business is based in india the client is based in um, singapore and probably the technology has been borrowed by a french company multiple jurisdictions are collapsing together to form a business and when there is a dispute which nation do you go to and even if you get a decree from a particular nation against a person who resides in another nation how do you enforce that judgment because that will then depend on the laws of the nation against the citizen of which you've got a decree even if you do get a decree to enforce it in the nation against the citizen of which you've got the decree is another whole procedure right which is enforcement of a judicial decree in india in india I, you may be aware that only a few nations are there in the reciprocating jurisdiction uh, nations uh, list i think 9 or 10 i think dubai was the latest entrant uh, in 2020 all the other nations if you get a decree from there 
against an Indian citizen or an Indian person, an Indian resident, then you have to again go to the court and prove your case all over again. So in societies where litigations are delayed, it's a really tough process. So yes, we are faced with several issues when uh, uh, you look at data privacy laws and uh, the only way to solve them is to talk about them, to apply our minds, think of creative solutions and leveraging each other's network to make our thought reach the right person. It will create a positive change. I think with this, I'll say adios. See you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for more.